This is the Huddle. This is what we do. Every Thursday from noon to 2. Presented by Bickford Ford. The Huddle. Welcome in to the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Getting you guys ready for the Seahawks NFC West showdown against the Los Angeles Rams. It is all on the line. Before we jump ahead, let's take a quick look back at Seattle's win over Washington. We're remote today, so I want to check. Dave, do we have you? I'm here. Wonderful. Okay. So, first of all, I had plenty to say about this offense that I might have wanted to see more from it, but I really liked a point you made on your show, Wyman and Bob, uh, earlier this week when you said, we've been talking about how this Washington defense is so tough. Why are we complaining about anything now that they've got to win? Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing I went back through, and, uh, you know, I watched every snap going back, you know, first after the game. Well, let me back up. I mean, that defensive line was supposed to destroy us. I mean, that that's what the fear was anyway. And then at the end of the day, you know, Chase Young has one, two, three tackles. Montez Sweat has one. He had one quarterback hit, and he deflected the pass that, you know, Russell, and that was just unlucky, but, you know, where Russell got an interception there. But, you know, other than that, they were entirely neutralized. So, and then you saw Dwayne Brown, like it was, uh, he was just schooling Chase Young. I mean, they should have moved him over to the other side and try it with Abuehi, but Abuehi had a really good game too. So, and that's your, you know, backup tackle. Maybe, maybe you could consider him your third string tackle with Jamarco Jones maybe being, you know, the second string guy because he's hurt. So, yeah, I mean, that was that was really quite a feat by the offense. And I understand they only had 33 yards in the fourth quarter, and that was frustrating to people. It was a little frustrating for me on the, on the defensive side, you know, the yards that they gave up. But ultimately, you step back and go, wow, you took away the best part of their team, the most effective part of their team, which is their four first-rounders on the defensive line. Now, Dave, going to the defensive side of the ball, I mean, there were – I think there were – more positives, way more positives than there were negatives. Sure. Just the negatives get highlighted a little bit more. Can you walk us through what happened in a positive light versus when some of the negatives started to, to come about in uh, those two scoring drives? What was the difference there? To me, it's always it, it begins and ends with being physical. You know, and so I just did a football one-on-one thing and uh, talked about it was the the plays that Jamal Adams made were two plays apart. The first one was just a smoke screen where there's you know three by one, three wide receivers. One guy steps back, the other two go block, and Jamal Adams attacks the block. And this is going to be necessary this week against the Rams, like in you know controlling the perimeter. You know, I remember seeing one time a, a couple of years ago where Robert Woods came out and and blocked a linebacker. And I won't say who it was, but <laughs> he, he, he came out to block Anonymous. the linebacker, and the linebacker just kind of put his hands on him and just, you know, and, and extended his arms so that, you know, he couldn't get to his body. Robert Woods weighs like 190 pounds. If you're a linebacker, you destroy that guy. You, you know, grab him and just throw him down. You can do that to a blocker. And, you know, that's what needs to be done at, uh, out on the perimeter. So, you know, I, I diagrammed a play with Jamal Adams being really physical on that smoke screen. He goes up, takes on the, the receiver and just destroys him, seals off the edge. And that allows Shaquille to make a, uh, a, a, tackle for a loss actually so and then you know the next two plays later he has the the one where he goes from the opposing numbers all the way to the other side and about what two three yards deep 
and uh, across the line of scrimmage and tackles Haskins for his nine and a half sack you know total so you know that that's the thing about it they, they've got to start it all starts with being physical those were the things that I saw this defense do and they've been doing it pretty well since honestly the second half of you know other than that brief little uh, you know the fourth quarter against Washington the third quarter against the Giants for the most part they've they've gotten things fi- things fixed uh, since uh, they played the Rams last in the second half you know, Dave, one of the other things when you talk about physicality that I really loved and it showed uh, understanding and assignments and being able to, to play and react was seeing a lot of those crossing routes happen. Yeah. Uh, in the past, we have seen those plays, those routes just get blown up, blown up to the point where offenses just avoid them. And we have not seen that in quite some time. In this game against Washington, I saw multiple times Bobby Wagner or K.J. Wright, uh, you know, the, the, the completion happens in front of them, and immediately they are getting hit. They are rallying up and making a big hit on those crossing routes. Uh, is, is that come with better understanding of the scheme? Is that just uh, executing better? Uh, that was one of the other things I thought was really positive in this game. Yeah, well, it depends on whether you're talking about deep crossers or, or shallow crossers. Sh- shallow crossers. Yeah, shallow because, crossers. Right. So, I mean, and the deep crosser has been a problem. But, you know, that's the thing. I saw, you know, the same thing, Jake. KJ had a drop in his zone where he was so deep, like, you know, 15 yards. And that helps the, the DBs so much, especially if you're in, like, you know, cover three where you've got a, a corner over the top. And you if you can get a really deep drop, that's going to affect that throw. And it did. Haskins ended up throwing one away that Shaquille probably could have picked off. It had been on target. but And that was directly because of KJ. And then, yeah, they throw a shallow crosser. We used to say, you know, we called it five yards and a headache. You know, you're not going to complete the 15-yarder behind me as a linebacker. But if you want to complete the five-yard crosser, check down or whatever in front of me, we're going to come up and tackle you and and make it hurt. So, yeah, they, they've done a good job with that stuff. I think, you know, you see even Jordan Brooks doing that really well. And this goes back to the first Ram game where he directly caused a sack that Jamal Adams had because Jared Goff had to throw the uh, pull the ball down. He was looking for a deep crosser, and Jordan Brooks ran underneath it. And so Goff had to hesitate, and then that was just enough time for Jamal Adams to get there, get the strip sack, get the sack. So, yeah, it was... Uh, it's it's been good. Yeah, they they seem to have figured that part of it out. Guys, even when this defense was really struggling against the pass earlier, earlier this year, um, they could hang their hat on their run game. Granted, teams weren't really running it on them because they didn't have to. They could throw it wherever they wanted. But uh, that's something they've continued to do pretty well for the most part. Some lapses against uh, the Vikings uh, and stuff. But they were pretty good against Washington in the first half. Really limited them there. And then in the second half, Washington really started getting momentum on the ground game, uh, converted some third downs that way, eventually uh, a score on a six-yard pass to McKissick. Um, I think that was their last touchdown of the game. What do you guys think happened there? Dave, I'll start with you. Yeah, just a breakdown. I mean, my gosh, you know, that 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 was the one thing that was kind of uh, annoying to me. I guess I didn't, you know, Jake, you're probably the opposite. You're probably, you know, why didn't the offense put up more in the fourth quarter and I'm defensive <laughs> guy and I'm like complaining Most about definitely. Yeah, so but that was the same play that happened in the Giant game. You know, and and man, I'm like, it was Alfred Morris wide open over there. This time it was JD McKissick and so I don't know, they they've got to get that part figured out. You know, I think 
I'm not trying. I'm never trying to point fingers or anything. But you know, sometimes when you you know have new players that have to plug in and play, then you know all of a sudden the communication gets kind of screwed up. So yeah, that part was was kind of annoying. I guess my what I would say is, look, you're going to keep everything in front of you. That's fine, but. It seems like they start to play a little bit more passively and and softer. You know, you can still come up and be physical in, in those situations and and be aggressive, but you know, just the scheme of what the, is being called that will take care of it. You as a player out on the field, it's almost like they have a mentality that okay, we're just going to keep everything in front of us, not make any big hits or anything. So that's that to me is is what has to change the the sort of mentality of you know when you play your quote unquote prevent defense, you know, and they've had trouble in the in the fourth quarter with leads before. So to me, it's just a lack of being uh, aggressive in that situation. You you answered this a bit, but just for a little more clarity, Dave, you said it was the same play. What was the mistake that was made both times? Well, so both, people know. both times he, he was, the running back was wide open. It was play action. So, you know, again, I don't want to, if that's man-to-man coverage, yeah, somebody has that guy. And I don't know if it's the strong safety or the linebacker or the corner, but it was the same, you know, type of situation. So, you know, and that's if it's man-to-man. If it's zone, well, then the outside dropper should be out there kind of, you know, shadowing that guy at, you know, three, four, five yards deep. So, yeah, just a play-action pass. You know, and you saw a similar thing happen in the Arizona game at home where uh, Chase Edmonds, or Chance Edmonds, whatever his name is, he – that he was wide open, you know, and it was the same, you know, kind of cast of characters there. So they got to get that part figured out. But that's just one play, you know, and that, that doesn't worry me as much as, you know, being really aggressive and physical. But look, at, you know, that win, again, this is just nitpicking. I mean, that was a great win on the road against a team that was playing really well. All right, and that's exactly what matters, that you got out of there with a win. That was a 20-15 to 15 win. Now you're heading in with a chance to clinch your division with a win over the Rams. It doesn't matter what they do next week. It all comes down to this Sunday. So we'll ask John Boyle, reporter for Seahawks.com, about that next. This is The Huddle, presented by Bickford Ford. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. All right, and we will be joined just a moment by Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle. This is Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross for the huddle. Let's take a look ahead to the Rams game now that we've taken uh, a look back at Washington and what we can take from that. When I'm looking at this L.A. Rams team, you've got uh, eighth in total offense, so still pretty solid, but they've been kind of up and down, pretty inconsistent. Uh, Dave, when you're looking at what they've been great at and what they've struggled with, what do you see on either side of that? Well, I mean – it's pretty amazing their ranking as far as defense goes because mm-hmm. and you know a little better than uh the it was a i mean they they're looking really good against the pass uh they're number 1 and i was going to say they were a little bit better last time around actually no they're not they're, they're actually better this time i mean they're ranked 3rd in points number 1 in you know yardage and passing yards they're just a really Brandon Staley their their new defensive coordinator who's now actually i've heard some conversation about him boss, possibly being a head coach candidate man the fastest rise I've ever seen. The guy has, he was coaching at like Carroll College and these little places. 
He gets into the NFL in 2017 with yeah, the with Bears Chicago. as a linebacker coach. Yeah, and you know, and all of a sudden, you know, it's it, this is his first year as a D coordinator. He has these guys just playing lights out. So apparently, he's a genius. <laughs> I don't think that we actually have geniuses in the NFL, but um, yeah, well, him along with uh, with McVeigh, they've done a really good job there. So they're just they're they're pretty good at everything. And you know, here's the one thing though, guys. Think about when's the last time Aaron Donald had a really good game against the Seahawks offense. You know, they kind of neutralized him um, last year, I remember. I don't know about the game down there, but I was thinking about the game at home last year. And then the first time around, this time, he, he you know, kind of had, had an okay day, but it wasn't like he was in the backfield. Yeah, that's that's going to obviously be the key. I mean, he was able to generate some pressures, but not have a sack, not have uh, any game-changing plays that you're used to seeing Aaron Donald have. And, and this time around, Dave, I think that it's going to be even more so the case because you're going to actually have a legitimate running attack. You're going to have Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde and, and Rashad Penny, and you're going to be able to get it done. I did a little bit of digging into the numbers and you know the best games that they've had over the last three years has been when the Seahawks were able to rush for over 150 yards plus um, and Russell throws three plus touchdowns so that combination that has really given the Seahawks a great chance now the defense hasn't played great in those games so uh, they they didn't win every single one of those games but they were close ones 30 29 33 31 36 31 so that gives them a winning formula offensively now it's just the defense stepping up and uh and and doing their part uh if the Seahawks can can put to game can put together a game like that yeah Dave when I'm looking at and both of you when I'm looking at this uh Seattle defense normally when we have John Boyle join us we look at some of the injuries the two that I think everyone will be watching this week in addition to hoping that DK Metcalf is totally fine from from hurting his uh, what looked like his ankle last week um, is Quentin Dunbar at corner and then Brandon Shell at your right tackle spot Um, Abuehi did a great job last week when I'm looking at Quentin Dunbar you guys one of the more interesting conversations heading out of this game you already know what I'm going to say is DJ Reed's performance yeah what kind of decision does Seattle have there? Well, it's a great decision. I mean, you, you, that's what you want. You know, you want it to be so competitive that, like, wow, how do we take this guy off the field? And it's kind of interesting because, you know, this goes back to when we were talking about uh, Josh Gordon returning. Um, you have a really competitive roster because, you know, for instance, if that was the conversation with Josh Gordon, which it was, it was like, okay, that would just be icing on the cake because, you know, we have three solid receivers. Then same thing with Rashad Penny. You know, okay, that's great if we can get Rashad Penny back, but we got Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson. This is the opposite of last year, right, at the end of the year when they, you know, all of a sudden didn't have any running backs there. And then I would say the same thing about Quentin Dunbar. DJ Reed is playing so well right now that, you know, I don't know how you take him off the field. So, you know, you get Trey back, Trey Flowers, who, you know, he he was playing really well at the end. And, And Pete, you know, a lot of times it's not obvious to all of us how, Trey Flowers is playing, but if Pete Carroll says he's playing really well and had a really good game, you should take his word for it. <laughs> Pete's an old <laughs> DB himself. He's a DB coach. So, um, so yeah, he's playing well. I think Quentin Dunbar is really a special player. I just don't know if he's going to be ready this year physically because of what he went through in the offseason and, and the summertime. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great um, – it, it, DJ Reed is a scrapper, man. I mean, I, I think he's going to fight hard for that job. And 
again, I, I think they had him down for three passes broken up. I had him, I had five wow. that I counted. He was all over the place, and I just don't think you can take that guy off the field right now. Yeah, I fully agree with you there. And and one of the other things that I loved seeing is, yeah, he is scrappy. He it, Pete Carroll said he's, he reminds him a lot of Doug Baldwin, uh, being underlooked, undersized, and, and yeah. just having this real big chip on his shoulder. But it's his understanding of the scheme, and probably it's it has to do with his time in San Francisco with Robert Sala and Richard Sherman and some of those guys. But the interception that he made, Dave, that's a textbook play on how you handle deep crossers, pass it off to the safety, and yeah. it's textbook. Yet we have not seen that in quite some time from this DB group. So uh, that those types of things are, are are the plays that really generate a ton of confidence for me, at least. Y'all know I stand the petites, so I'm uh, voting for DJ Reed to get some more time here. Five nine. Um, <laughs> let's take a look at uh, the Rams' defense because they are no joke. You already mentioned Dave; they're number one in total yardage, number two against the rush. So you thought you had a break against Washington with them being number eleven? Yeah, it's not going to get easier against the Rams. Uh, number one against the pass. Uh, number three in points per game, limiting opponents to just 19.2 points per game. Uh, they have won all of the games in which they've limited opponents to 20 or fewer points. I think they're at seven. Um, Dave, I don't even know what Seattle's offense does. I mean, it feels like you can't attack via the run or the pass. I know the best bet is to have the defense help you out, but what's your game plan when you're Seattle? Well, I think, first of all, yeah, as far as the defense goes, um, you know, I'm looking at over the last seven games, they're minus five in turnover ratio. So, I mean, they went plus one against Washington. They're even against the Jets. You know, I mean, even against Arizona. But, man, the other ones, uh, Philly, same thing. I mean, if they're even and positive, they're, you know, they're going to win those games. And so – you know that that needs that's what needs to come from the defense. But yeah, offensively, you know, I'd say this though: you kind of looked at um, last week. Like, take the Jets for example, and we get caught up in you know, and me too, in the stats and how they're ranked and all that. Because I remember going into the Jet game and and the the thought from like the texters and stuff was, why would you try to run the ball against the Jets? There, that's the one thing they do well. I think they were second or third as far as average. Uh, per carry defensively against the run and but yet you need to go out and impose your will so i mean it they're looking at it like hey these guys are good they they can make plays everything but they're not like oh man this is the number you know one two or three uh rush defense uh we're we're not going to be able to run the ball they're going to go out and impose their will on them so that that to me is I, i think they should have a lot of confidence especially the offensive line, who has played really well this year, they should have a lot of confidence going into this game. It's based on what they just accomplished. We'll, we'll see if they um, – I'm not sure what the, the status is on Brandon Shell, yeah. guys. But um, but still, I, I'm feeling pretty good about this O-line going into to this game against the Rams. Jake, honorary OC, what does Seattle do here? <laughs> honorary OC. Okay, yeah. so it, what you do in this game is – now, don't freak out when I say this. It is going to be somewhat similar to what you do against Washington okay. or how you approach Washington. Now, with a few exceptions, a few revisions. You have to be able to get the run game going. You have to be able to uh, neutralize uh, this defensive line and and control the game, control uh, uh, the game in your favor early on. And I think that that's what Chris Carson will allow you to do this time around. What I think also, though, is that along with your quick passing game, 
you have to be able to to take calculated shots down the field. They didn't do enough of that versus Washington, and they really didn't get an opportunity to do that because they didn't convert enough on third down for them to have sustained drives. But I believe what it does is twofold. One, there there are one-on-one opportunities out there to be taken advantage of with the way that their defense plays. Uh, the second thing is, is that they, last time around, and a lot of defenses are saying, hey, when you get into your normal shot plays, your normal formations when you take your deep shots down the field, they are playing their too high shell, playing soft. Well, what you do is you counteract that with completions underneath. So you're still going to take those shots and hit your checkdowns. And that was something that they didn't provide enough for in for Russell Wilson, in my opinion, uh, against the Giants was legit answers in those situations. So for me, that's another one. And then the very last thing is w- their best drive of the game came when they played with great tempo against the Rams. It was their very first drive. And this is sometimes the disconnect or the frustration that I have as an as as someone who watches offensive football and and studies it is that when you're in a rhythm and in a very clear rhythm and your quarterback's in a rhythm playing at that style and with that tempo, you have to continue to keep doing that and not take you know not go away from it. Only do it in the first drive or the third drive of the game. You know, only have it two times. So uh, I think that it really puts the Rams in a disadvantage when you have this offense not necessarily passing the ball or running the ball, but it's with with great tempo. All right, uh, we will take a look at the Rams' offense. Figure out what has made them so inconsistent this year. Turns out there's one major pattern there. ESPN's Lindsay Theory will tell us what it is next. This is the Huddle, presented by Bickford Ford. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back into the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Joining us right now for an opponent preview is ESPN Rams reporter Lindsay Theory. Hey, Lindsay, how are you? Good. How are you today? Good. I mean, we're a little bit nervous. This is a matchup that has kind of bitten the Seahawks many times over the past couple years. So you've been on the other side of that watching what the Rams have done so well. What is it that you think Sean McVay has been able to do that's just constantly led to them having the upper hand? Yeah, you know, I don't think the Seahawks are the only ones who are nervous. I know the Rams, uh, there's some nerves around that building, too, with them coming off that loss to the New York Jets. Uh, you know, with Sean McVay, it's really kind of been a little bit of a different uh, different method of winning. I think each time they've played the Seahawks, you know, there's been a couple of blowouts, a couple of close games. Uh, you know, earlier this season, really, it uh, it was less maybe McVay and more Brandon Staley, their defensive coordinator, who really dialed it up against Russell Wilson. I'm um, going back to that game. You know, they they took down Russell six times um, in what was really a very ferocious defensive effort. Lindsay. Brandon Staley, defensive coordinator for the Rams, has done an outstanding job here in year one. He's had the luxury of having Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, two of the best at their position. But what has his leadership and his process done for this Rams defense, who has elevated a lot of young, talented players that uh, I think a lot of people before the season were really questioning? Yeah, definitely. It was a, a huge question going into the season. Obviously, we all know Aaron Donald. We all know Jalen Ramsey. But those guys are surrounded by players who you really, uh, for all intents and purposes, really never heard of. Um, you know, So it took a few weeks, really, for them to kind of play at the speed that they needed to under Brandon Staley. He was kind of installing with no preseason games. 
Um, but really, once they kind of figured out exactly what the goal of each one of, you know, the coverage plans were and exactly what Brandon Taylor was trying to accomplish, they played really fast. And he has really got the most out of, of guys like Darius Williams, who's playing uh, opposite of Jalen in most cases. Um, he's got the most out of a couple of defensive ends and a couple of uh, pass rushers. Leonard Floyd's come to L.A. and had a huge season. Of course, some of that is the Aaron Donald effect. Anytime you're, you're an edge rusher and you have Aaron Donald in the interior, you should have some one-on-ones uh, that are wide open for you to, to get to the quarterback. Um, but really, Brandon Staley, he, he mixes up his coverages, he mixes up his plan, and the players tell him they love it because week to week, uh, there's always something unique and new that they're going to be adding in. This offense has some really good games, and Jared Goff has had really good games, but they've been a little inconsistent. What's been the biggest factor to that? Yeah, a little inconsistent might be the understatement. I mean, it is <laughs> it is wild how great they look at times. Mm-hmm. And then at times like this last Sunday, you just ask yourself, what is going on? Uh, you know, Jared Goff, there, there are a few quarterbacks who are uh, as good as him when he is really in rhythm and, and – uh, in play action. I mean, he's just, he's outstanding in those instances. However, teams have really kind of discovered in Keaton that if you can stop the Rams run and if you can get the pressure on Goff and you make him go through his progressions, that's really when things start to break down. So, so the difference between like good Rams offense is play action. Their run game is hitting it in all, all stages. Uh, and then, but if you can get pressure on Goff, that's when, when things, like I said, Breakdown, and I know this past weekend they were having troubles on the offensive line as well, and guys were dropping passes. So that's kind of been that season throughout for the Rams offense. Lindsay, the Rams get a big blow losing Cam Akers for this game. He has been outstanding over the last uh, few weeks in particular. Uh, how confident are Sean McVay and this offense in handing the ball off to Daryl Henderson and, and Malcolm Brown? Yeah, they definitely found a comfort in Akers, and he really improved himself, like you said, over the last few weeks. Uh, there also is a confidence in Daryl Henderson. I mean, Daryl is a guy who uh, earlier in the season when and actually Akers was hurt, Daryl stepped up and had a couple of really big games. Um, he's been a bit quiet since then, but I think there is a confidence that he can do everything uh, that they ask of him. But I, I do think that without him being as strong maybe in between the tackles as Cam Akers is, there might be a little shift in game planning there. Going back to defensive coordinator Brandon Staley, he's had a phenomenal year there. It's his first, correct? It is, yeah. What's he been able to do so well? Because I'm looking at their stats right now, and, I mean, they are either one or two, maybe three in pretty much every category defensively. Yeah, so they they kept the base 3-4 that Wade Phillips installed. But as the players really explain it to me, uh, Brandon adds new wrinkles. I mean, he, he goes heavy with defensive backs a lot. And they're really able to put a lot of pressure on the opposing QB without having to necessarily blitz. And he's just done a really nice job designing plays to try to get Aaron Donald, who's still double teamed and even triple teamed at an alarming rate, uh, more one-on-one opportunities. But really, he's getting so much production in the front from from other guys. Um, We mentioned earlier from, from guys like Morgan Fox, who's really not a name you would hear of. Um, Leonard Floyd's having a great season. So he's finding ways to, to use players to, to kind of add wrinkles um, that otherwise the Rams hadn't, hadn't really experienced the last few seasons. Lindsay, when you look at this Rams team, I mean, it, it, as you mentioned, the highs and the lows, and there was no greater low than the, the Jets lost this last week. 
were they able to chalk that up to just not being prepared? Uh, you'd mentioned that they're a little bit nervous in the building right now due to that loss. Uh, do you feel like they're trying to find themselves, or is this just that they're really ticked off and motivated to play a better game? Yeah, I think they're a, bit, a little bit of both, a little ticked off and motivated, but also uh, I think what we saw on offense against the Jets was a little indicative of, of like, we are mentioning the ups and downs of the season. Um, they, they obviously came out flat, and uh, none of them will ever say it as publicly, and I think that they truly believed that they prepared for the Jets like they would any other team. But human nature, they, it, it was a massive letdown. There was no energy in the building. There was no energy on their sideline. So I don't think in, in a game against the Seahawks, they're going to be uh, uh, that's not going to be something that they're going to allow to happen to come out flat. But the offense, again, has to figure it out. They have to establish a rhythm. And that's something um, where one week they look terrific, another week, like we said, they can't, can't get it going. So uh, I, I don't anticipate that what we saw against the Jets, which is a very flat football team, will be what we see in Seattle on Sunday. How's that offensive line been? I remember uh, earlier in the year during the draft, I think we might have even uh, spoken to you months and months ago, and we were saying, man, they needed some help on the offensive line, and they, they didn't really get it until late in the draft, but they've allowed just 20 sacks. Has that Obviously, I'm just looking at that one stat and haven't been watching all their games, but is that pretty reflective of how they've been? Yeah, they've, they've done a solid job. Um, obviously, they lost Andrew Whitworth a few weeks ago. Um, that's a big blow at left tackle, but Joe Nopum stepped in there, and uh, the line up to last week had performed quite well. Uh, I think the way that they're kind of running this offense, they're, they're playing to their strengths. Um, you know, the one thing we haven't seen Jared Goff do really more than a couple times a season is throw any passes deep down the field. Uh, you know, that might be a circumstance of not having a super fast receiver that can blow off the top of the coverage. Uh, that might be the circumstance that the offensive line maybe can't quite provide protection long enough for that play to develop. But regardless, uh, we have seen Sean McVay put this offensive line in positions to succeed, so they've done pretty well. Lindsay, one of the underrated signings that – that the Rams had this offseason was actually acquiring Leonard Floyd uh, out of uh, Chicago, you know, former first round pick, kind of a flame out a little bit. Um, and, and they go and take a chance on, on his upside and his talent. And he has really, really played some good football for them. Definitely. And he's a guy that Brandon Staley was familiar with because Brandon Staley used to be the uh, outside linebackers coach there um, with the Bears when Leonard was there. So that that's a player he was familiar with. Um, and then, like I said earlier, it's, it's kind of the Aaron Donald effect. Um, we saw the same, same thing happen with Dante Fowler when the Rams brought him, and he kind of flamed out with the, with the Jaguars, got a fresh start in L.A. And anytime you're on the edge and you have such a presence on the interior as you do with Donald, that edge rusher is going to have an opportunity. Um, that's not to say to Jimmy, you still have to obviously be talented and put in the effort. But I think that's really the effect, part of the effect, at least, we're seeing with Leonard Floyd, uh, where he's getting some one-on-one matchups. And uh, he, he is such a great athlete that he, he's getting to the quarterback and really uh, disrupting their, out there from the edge. Lindsay, last question for us here. Uh, we end the huddle by having our blueprint for a Seahawks win. It's essentially like our one or two keys for the win. What would be your keys or your blueprint for a Rams win? Blueprint for a Rams win. I, I think the defense, just if they can almost have a carbon copy of what they did to the Seahawks in Week 10, I think they'll be in really good shape. Um, you know, the defense has carried them throughout a lot of the season. They don't need the offense to be spectacular. They just need the defense to keep the pressure on Russell Wilson and for the offense to not turn over the football. Pretty simple. 
<laughs> she is ESPN's Lindsay Theory covering the Rams for them. You can find her work at ESPN.com. If you're on Twitter, you can also follow her at Lindsay Theory. That's T-H-I-R-Y. Great stuff there. Thanks so much, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Time for a look at the Seahawks offense. Ray Roberts will join us next on The Huddle. This is The Huddle, Huddle. presented by Bickford Ford. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Geeps, and Stacey Ross. Joining us right now for his In the Trenches segment, it's Ray Roberts. Hi, Ray. Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We're all good here. Um, I guess I'm going to start with the offensive line, but I know you're watching the whole team, and I want to get to the Seahawks offense in this huge, huge, huge showdown. So I'll start with the situation at right tackle. Cedric played really well. Yeah, I was I was really impressed with Cedric. I was just uh, looking at – I went back and watched the game again mm-hmm. for like the third time uh, last night just to kind of make sure that, you know, I was believing what I was seeing. But he just looked like a more confident player. Uh, he looks like he had more command and control of his of his techniques and his gifts and talents, and it looked like he had a game plan and executed it very well. The first the the, the game he played a couple weeks ago, uh, he just looked very timid, not real sure about what he was doing, wasn't playing too aggressively. But uh, against uh, uh, Montez Sweat, I think he had a really good game plan. I think Montez, with just mostly his speed, uh, was a was a favorable matchup for him, so he didn't have to play against much power. And uh, I would imagine that going against Floyd this week, if, if he's playing, will, will be uh, a similar task for him. Yeah, Ray, I was so impressed. And I, I actually went back as well and watched on, on probably every play. I, th- I thought the part maybe that was most amazing was Dwayne Brown. I felt like he was he treated Chase Young like a it's like a kitten batting around a ball of yarn, you know. I mean he had, he was just schooling him and just entirely made him ineffective. Well, you know, I, I have to say, you know, Dwayne Brown went to Virginia Tech and I went to Virginia, so it's really hard for me to. <laughs> ask, you know, we put you in a tough to those, spot <laughs> to those guys, especially when they smashed us this year. But I will say this, Dwayne Brown got snubbed for the Pro Bowl. The yes. dude is like a pro's pro all the way around. And, you know, he's seen many Chase Youngs. You know, he, he's played against a lot of really good pass rushers. He's seen, you know, everything that there is to see. He's not, you know, intimidated or surprised or, or uh, you know, this, it's not like he's going to step out there and be like, you know, this is something he's never done before. And even when you just watched him and his movements, there was no panic. He didn't overreact to anything. He just did what Dwayne, Dwayne Brown does, which is go out and, and he gets his job done. And uh, he pretty much shut shut down Chase Young, which was really cool to see. I mean, obviously, you know, it's good to watch Chase Young do his thing, but not against the Seahawks. And so Dwayne Brown uh, has quickly become, since he's been here in Seattle, I didn't know much about him before he came here. Uh, but but since he's been here, he has quickly become one of my uh, all-time favorite uh, offensive linemen to watch. You know, Ray, obviously giving great compliments to the uh, to the tackles here in this game due to the edge rushers, but the Seahawks were able to get it done on the ground, man. They were able to really get after him in the run game and, and uh, 181 yards on the ground. What did you see from this running attack uh, that, that was able to be so effective? You know, when I went back and watched, they had a, a, a lot of plays where at the point of attack, especially with the guards, in the center, they were creating really nice, solid double teams. So you'd see a nice double team between, uh, you know, Posick and Yupati or Posick and Lewis, 
and they were getting a lot of good push to the second level in the middle. And when you're running downhill between the tackles like that, you have to really secure the middle of the of the defense uh, because that that creates a soft spot for where the the running back can then decide to to hit the front side of the play or cut it back to the back side. And so with the way they were running the ball, uh, you know, between the tackles like that, I thought they did a a really good job of getting push in the middle and really getting the running back to the second level because sometimes just based on the the double team or the timing coming off the double team, you may not get on to the second level defender right away. But if you can get the running back to the second level with the way that Chris runs, he can run through arm tackles. He can make people miss. You want to deliver the running back to the second level, and they did a really good job doing that. The Huddle is presented by Bickford Ford. You're here with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We're joined by host of the Seahawks pre- and post-game show, Ray Roberts. Ray, when I'm looking at the Rams' defense, I'm not going to lie, I know we should all be tough here, but I'm getting a little bit nervous, especially uh, with that defensive line. Um, what do you do if you're Seattle's offense? What's your approach? Is it similar to the one you had against Washington? I, I think it would be similar to the one that you had against Washington. Uh, obviously, hopefully the passing game uh, will be a little bit more complimentary. I don't know that you have to be as cautious uh, with their pass rush as you were uh, with the with the Redskins. I mean, because the last game, the Seahawks did a great job neutralizing uh, Aaron Donald, he pretty much had no stat line. I think he had like maybe two quarterback hits or something, and that was it. He had zeros across the board. But they then allowed the other guys to kind of get their job going. Like Floyd had three sacks, the linebacker Lewis had two sacks, and Brockers had one. So if you're able to neutralize Aaron Donald, you can't allow those dudes to have those types of days. And so I think because of the way they played against the Redskins, that they'll have a better opportunity if they can neutralize Aaron again to have that same kind of impact. And I think – uh, we've always kind of run the ball well against uh, against this team in the past. The last game we had, uh, you know, um, uh, shoot, what was his name? Alex Collins yeah. was the leading rusher with 11 yeah. carries, you know, and and we had DJ um, Dallas. So this time we're coming into the game with Carson, Penny, and Carlos Hyde in, a, in an offensive line that has more confidence and a coordinator that has more confidence in the run game. Yeah, I, I don't think you can overlook the number of players that they, they didn't have Ethan Posick either. Um, you know, Shaquille right, Griffin, yeah, didn't play in that one either. But, Ray, just because, you know, and, we get in the – go ahead. I was going to say, and last year, uh, Simmons, uh, who may get more playing time if, if your potty isn't ready to go, he he played pretty well against Aaron Donald. His, his strength and athleticism matched up well against it. Yeah. So I was going to ask you a non-trench question. What, how, how much are you looking <laughs> yeah. forward to – the the round two of Jalen Ramsey versus DK Metcalf. That was, I, I think he wasn't targeted in the first half. We heard stories that Russ and DK sat uh, together on the plane on the way back from that game. But uh, I, I'm kind of looking forward to that one, Ray. Yeah, I, I made some notes to myself about the game for this week, and one of them was you have to give DK a, an opportunity to have an impact on the game, and uh, and so like. You know, he proved that he can. He has proven over the season that uh, he can run different routes. He's not just a go route dude. He can run the crossing routes. He can come back routes, out routes, slant routes. You have to find a way to get him the ball and and let him make something happen. And then just the same as you have to pressure the defense to defend the whole field, you have to make Jalen Ramsey earn his keep uh, this week. And so that means you're going to have to take some challenges, whether it's the shorter intermediate passes or being a, being strategic with the deep ball, you know, putting the ball where maybe only DK can get it. Uh, but I'm, I, I have every bit of confidence that, uh, that DK is up for the challenge, and I have every bit of confidence that 
that Russell Wilson will find a way to get him the ball because if, if DK doesn't have an impact on the game, uh, it's going to be hard for the mm-hmm. Seahawks to win uh, because I think he's a big part of what he's, he's starting to become one of the an engine that keeps that that runs the offense. Like it kind of when he gets going, his his physicality gets going, his attitude gets going, and that impacts everybody. When you see the sideline getting the defense getting jacked up because he's out there getting after guys, and so in order to keep that going, you got to keep him engaged in the game. And I just think this time around, you just have to you have to give DK a chance to to have an impact in the, in the game. Completely agree. He is Ray Roberts. Joins us every week on the Huddle. He's also host of the Seahawks pre and post game show. Ray, have a good holiday week and good luck this Sunday on the show. Same to you guys, man. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right. We're going to have a chance to talk to a Seahawks player. That's coming up next. This is the Huddle. Huddle. It's not this. this is what we do. Every Thursday from noon to 2. Presented by Bigford Ford. Let's go. The Huddle. You're listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jay Keeps, and Stacey Ross. We're getting you guys ready for the Seahawks' upcoming showdown against the Los Angeles Rams. It's all on the line this weekend, fighting for that NFC West title. We're going to be joined here in just one second by Damon Snacks Harrison, walking off the Seahawks practice field right now, getting set to join us. We know how important it is for this defense to stop that Rams offense, specifically that Rams run game. Uh, Rams are uh, have lost both games with fewer than 40 rush yards in the first half. Damon Snacks Harrison on with us right now. How are you? Do I call you Damon? Do I call you Snacks? Oh, whatever. It don't, it don't really matter to me, whichever makes you comfortable. Okay, okay. I'll go with <laughs> Snacks if that's okay. I think it's a cool nickname. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Snacks, I, I, we know how important it is uh, specifically for you guys to stop the run. You guys have done such a great job with that. Um, it was obviously before you were playing with them, and it's only improved since you've started. How does it feel for this defense right now? I mean, you guys are on a roll. I mean, well, it feels great. Um, we're taking everything that we're, we're practicing on the practice field and, you know, bringing it into games, which is something that we weren't doing uh, much of earlier in the year. Um, but you see guys are getting comfortable with the defense now and um, we're able to execute more come Sunday. Hey, Damon, it sounded like you, you, were in, you were in good shape coming in, of course, but then there's football shape, right? I was thinking, I was thinking about you after that first game because there's just no way to prepare for all the things that happen and the soreness that comes from that that first game. How, how, how did you feel afterwards? I bet you spent some time in the cold tub. Um, not really because I didn't I didn't get much action uh, the first game. I think they they passed the ball a lot. Um, I think maybe I only had about three or four run plays while I was in there. Um, so I wasn't too sore. Actually, I was pretty good. The shortness started to come, you know, in the in the weeks following my first game. But, yeah, I, I was in decent shape when I got here. But, again, you can't get into football shape unless yeah. you're playing football. Right. And, um, you know, I spoke with Coach Carroll as well as the general manager, and we all understood that. And that's why I wanted to come in. Um, and I had no issue joining the practice squad because at the time I knew I needed to get into a program so I can get in shape and, that's what we were able to accomplish, and it, it took longer than I expected, but, you know, we got it done. You know, Damon, I, I was with you uh, in New York there for one year when I was vacationing as a backup quarterback uh, for, for the offseason, um, but uh, loved sharing the field with you during practice, the energy that you brought. 
uh, every day and, and curious to, to hear your perspective. You know, a vet in this league, you're in nine seasons, uh, and you had a very unique path to your NFL journey and your NFL success. What has that given you the opportunity mentally to look at each and every single year uh, as you, you know, approach this season and every season with a certain mindset? You mean from the, the the journey that it took to get me to this point? Yeah. Yep. I mean, well, it's it's, it's different every year. Um, I've had the the opportunity and been fortunate enough to play for a few good franchises, and um, you know, everyone's been different. You know, they approach uh, game day different. The, the 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 practice week, the preparation week, and everything is different. I think the the one thing that I had to do or learn to do was take a little bit of something that I got from each organization and each team and try to combine that into one to where I'm able to adapt to, to any situation or any circumstance I'm put in. And I think that's been um, what separated me from a lot of guys throughout the duration of my career is I'm able to adapt quickly um, and, and not have an issue to, to anything that's thrown at me. And now it's no different, but – I have that mentality, man, to where I'll do anything necessary and anything that needs to be done by any means necessary. And um, I think my coaches and the teammates in the past have all appreciated that. Damon, this is an off-the-field question. Um, You are hilarious on Twitter. (laughs) Many of them are very funny, but my favorites are the ones where you talk about your kids just being ruthless giving you no yeah. easy times after games. What's that life been like for you guys? I know you were kind of, you know, thrust into joining this team, uh, you know, bef- you know, after the start of the season, but how are you guys adjusting? And can you tell us anything about uh, <laughs> those relationships? <laughs> well, it's, it's been, it's been uh, great for me because I'm able to, to get away. I hope my wife don't hear this, but I'm able to get away a little bit throughout <laughs> the day, you know, and, and get home later in the day. And, you know, I'm kind of, thrust it into another role once once I get home, which I'm I'm fine with. But again, man, the 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 thing that I love and I just got done talking to a couple of my teammates about it is it's no matter what happened to you throughout the day, no matter if you come home or if you bring work home, which they tell you to never do. Um kids don't care. My son, he's jumping all over me. He just wanna play my twins are crying for me. They want me to get them and, and you know, roll around on the floor with them. My baby girl, my uh my youngest, she she's just crying. She's giving me the biggest smile and the most beautiful smile I've ever seen every single time I come home from work. So that's one thing I always look forward to. And as far as my uh, my older three girls, they pay me no attention whatsoever. <laughs> so, uh, they, they, yeah, they all to themselves on TikTok or on, on Twitter or something or asking me a question that they've seen online. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful dynamic for me. Yeah, I, I like that too. That my kids didn't care whether I was a pro football player or not. I'm just the the dad, you know. So that, right, that's good stuff. Right. The, I, I think the the funniest thing though is your relationship with Quandre Diggs. And we saw a few things on on Twitter. I think you said something about shaking the change out of his pockets, picking him upside down and stuff. And we talked to him about. It, and he's like, oh man, he's always talking this and that. and he seemed kind of grumpy about it. And he told us. That he's kind of a he has a gloomy personality. I, I think that's a hilarious relationship you have with Quandre. Yeah, he and I really like literally just got done joking before I got on the phone. Um, like he he'll call me or I'll call him. We Facetime each other at least 
once every day, no matter if we see each other the entire day at work or not, just about random things. And uh-huh. We play video <laughs> games together every night, so we're talking on the headset. In the off-season, we're always talking. So, Quandre, I haven't known him that long, but he's one of the closest friends I've had, oh. you know, since I've been in the NFL, just because of the type of person he is and the personality that he has. <laughs> Damon, is there anybody else that you've been able to grow close to here in Seattle uh, that you've just kind of formed a, a, an easy, natural bond with? Uh, Jay Reed and Puna. I've, I've known those two for a while now. This is my first time to uh, being able to, to, to get around them full time. But, you know, naturally them being defense alignment and Jay Reed and I were speaking before I even got here um, so we've we've been able to form that relationship since I've gotten here. And he's helped me with just about everything, you know, since I've been here, whether it's been, you know, the chef, you know, Kyle Pipe. He's just been pointing me in the right directions, you know, right direction and pointing me to all the people to use. So he's probably been the biggest help since I've been here. Quandre hasn't helped me at all. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have to let him know we'll let him know that he is damon harrison oh, uh thank you so much for joining us uh, we really appreciate it and good luck this weekend thank you i appreciate the time guys all right oh, uh, <laughs> what a what a great personality um he he is really a thoughtful guy his you know answering questions and and everything i just i like him clowning on quandre diggs oh man i appreciate it and then when we talk to diggs about it he's kind of you know grumpy about it and go oh yeah he's always talking (laughs) and but i I thought it was interesting to hear that they you know like talk to each other almost every day he had one of his tweets said i called quandre diggs this morning or quandre i think he just said and he answered the phone very aggressively (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure it was like, what the heck do you want? (laughs) All right. Uh, We are going to talk about our blueprint to beating this Rams team. It's not going to be easy, but what does Seattle need to do? That's next on The Huddle. This is The Huddle, presented by Bickford Ford. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back into The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Pete Carroll speaking with reporters right now. We'll take you there. Hey, uh, first off, um, Christmas week, happy holidays to everybody. Um, I know we're going to be taking it right on through the weekend or through the, the holiday and all that. Appreciate you hanging with us and all. Um, it's a great time for us to find out what we're grateful for and to appreciate, and we're, we're, we're definitely uh, in that mode here. We're going to hopefully make this a great week in a lot of ways. What do you got? Curtis Crabtree, why don't you lead us off? Sure, Pete, just right off the top here, what's, what's your understanding of what happened with Josh and how it affects you guys moving forward? What's next for him and how disappointed are you that it's, it's back here again? Well, we're not able to comment about any of it really other than to say that he's, he's still in the, uh, the um, coming in, working out with our trainers and, and getting his work done conditioning-wise. We'll, we'll re, uh, you know, revisit it again next week. Uh, certainly disappointed not to have him um, for his sake and for a lot of things, but uh, um, we'll, we'll stay with it and we'll see what happens next week. Jen Mueller. Two questions. So is it your understanding that it's now kind of a week by week it gets evaluated, or do you have any other guidance from the NFL on that? I don't know any of that. I, I really don't have any information. Sorry. So when you look at this week's game, 
you talked last time about not having Carlos and Chris, but those weren't the only guys missing because of injury. How much different does the team look now compared to the first matchup against the Rams? Well, we we certainly balanced out what we're what we're you know our attack and what we're trying to do, and and uh, we just kind of. We just kind of went in, in, in an off-shoot direction, you know, for a bit. We didn't mean to, but we did. But we feel very confident that we're back. Can we turn that guy off? Really? Sorry. Um, so we're, you know, we're hoping that uh, uh, we can continue. We're really pleased that we've been able to run the ball the last couple of weeks, and it's necessary for us to really feel our, our style of play. And, and uh, so it's good to have it. It's a good feeling. Oh, he's got it. <laughs> Ready? Corbin. Hey, Pete, on Monday we were discussing on the radio that there have been issues at times this year with passing off receivers and picking up routes coming into zones. Looking back at some of the issues early in the season, given of explosive plays, some of the busted coverages, how big of an issue do you think that was in terms of the vision and awareness, and do you think the lack of chemistry had played into that? Um. Let me just say that we, we just we just weren't hitting it right. You know, we weren't on it like we needed to be, and there just was not enough of the substance that we needed to have everybody connected and, and communicating really well and confident in what's, what was going on. And so we were just a step off of things, you know. And, and remember that uh, you guys got to look back and remember that all of those yards that were on the on the board, you know, were so much of them were after the fact fourth quarter catch up mode, which we're not pleased about or happy with at all. But that's there was. A thousands, it seemed like, of yards that would happen in that mode, and we—that's the mode we played poorly in, and uh, so we just had to clean things up and get get sharper. But it just—it naturally coalesced, you know, with uh, with just the time together, and 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 also the time necessary. New players—they need to learn our system, they need to understand it, they need to play together with guys, all of that, and. Um, Honestly, I never felt like it wasn't going to happen, and we weren't going to turn it around. It just was just really impatient and, and frustrated by it. But uh, you know, s- since the turn of the, the second half here, it's we, we've been a different team in, 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 on defense, and and it feels uh, feels like we're going in the right direction. And so, whatever happened before is, is long gone for, for us now. John Boyle. Yeah, you said Monday. That's as good. This is as good defense as you'll face. One particular, I'm going to change coordinators. What are they doing this year that makes them? Oh, they, so have, they have a different package of defense entirely, and it's a different style. With feature, some of the obvious features, you know, are, are similar. And that you know, Aaron Donald's still playing on the guard, and he's he's rushing as much as he can, and they're trying to feature putting him in the right spots and moving him around. They do all of that in great fashion, but it's just a different. F- formula of defense and different concept uh coverage wise and front wise and uh they're they're just they look really good everybody fits the the format of what they need them to do uh, i really think leonard floyd has been a, a real great addition for them in his style of play um so they, they have a really good active group run real well and it starts up front and they've got a they've got a great you know great place to build from brady henderson um, how is Josh doing with the latest news and everything? How is he handling it? Very frustrated that he's not out here. Yeah, frustrated by it. Um, and then injury-wise, what's the plan this week for Carlos Dunlap and Brandon Shell? Uh, both those guys are going to uh, – Carlos is practicing. He starts the week in full full mode. Uh, we're we're, we're going to monitor Brandon until later in the week uh, with the hopes that he can get back out on the field by Friday and, and uh, show us some stuff and see if he can compete to play. We're really pleased with what Cedric did at right tackle, so uh, we feel fortunate that he had a nice game going into this one. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with Brandon. Thanks. Joe Fan. 
Is there anything you can tell us about just kind of where Josh is at? Is it remorse? Is it um, no. I'm sorry, guys. I, I'm not supposed to even comment about it. We're not supposed to talk about it. And so I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm, I'm sorry. But you guys will keep him on the roster. Yes. And then uh, any update on Philip Dorsett and his foot? I just saw Philip in the weight room before uh, the walkthrough today, and he's moving around pretty well. So he's 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 out of the boot and, and uh, trying to make the transition now. So I, I don't know how long it takes from this point, but he's made a, you know, strides forward and that he's at least to that you know that portion of his workout now. Greg Bell. There's a national report that there was a setback of substance abuse for Josh Gordon. Can you at least delineate whether it's an administrative part of the reinstatement? He Is can't comment. He can't no, comment. Sorry. He can't comment on the stuff. Sorry. The fact that he's staying on the roster is, is the sa- it's status quo as, as Sunday yes. and Saturday and Friday? Yeah. Yes. Thank you. I guess I did comment. Anything else, Greg? It's a nice Christmas hat, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. How about the family? Appreciate it. No, yeah. thank you, sir. Jackie Montgomery. Hey, Coach, a couple questions. Um, first, the offensive line, they haven't allowed a sack in the last two weeks. What has been working so well for them recently? Well, I think it's just the combination of, uh, of guys feeling good about what's going on, uh, rhythm of the game, passing game, um, play calling, execution. I mean, it's, it's just – We've just taken a step forward that was necessary here to finish off this season. We got to keep it, keep it going. You know, we got to keep it going and keep Russ clean and let him have the freedom to do the things he can do. And and uh, really pleased that you know that he hasn't been hit, you know, knocked down in the last couple of weeks. That's something that's, that's that's good for us. It's it's something that hasn't happened a lot, and we're going to see if we can keep it going. A lot to dissect here from Pete Carroll. We'll get to that at 1:45. Before we do that, though, we're going to bring on the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. That's next on the Huddle. This is the Huddle, presented by Bickford Ford, every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Going to be joined in just one minute by Seahawks play-by-play man Steve Rabel. Before we get to him, though, Dave, Jake, i got to start with you guys. We've been previewing the Seahawks' upcoming game against the NFC West. Now, Jake and I do this thing on our show uh, once a week where we ask for bold takes from people. Dave, someone sent in one that me and Jake really liked, which was if the Seahawks beat the Rams, then they can make it to a Super Bowl. Do you think that beating the Rams says more than just taking the NFC crown? Is there something that a win over the Rams will tell you definitively about this Seahawks team? Um, yeah, possibly. I mean, I honestly, I thought the the Rams were, you know, probably the best NFC team going into last week uh the fact that they lost to the jets means that there's something wrong (laughs) i mean you know so now all of a sudden i'm going well i'm not sure what kind of you know maybe there's a formula i've always said look if you can get to jared goff then you know and, and affect him then i i think everything goes south so the one thing I, I will say is that if they get into like a fist fight with the Rams, they're going to they're gonna have to be really physical. 
you know, and they may need to, you know, you might you might see like Cody Barton get involved in, you know, playing some linebacker, you know, because he is so physical. And, you know, Brooks has been really good that way. So, you know, maybe it, it'll come down to something like that. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not sure what it says when you beat the Rams right now. I'm really curious to see, you know, do, was that just a blip? Yeah. Did they all of a sudden come back and, you know, um, you know, be the the Rams that they were before. Uh, it, it, that's a weird one because when you lose to a bad team like that, that that really says something. Well, let's ask Steve Rabel, Seahawks play-by-play man, joining us right now. Dave, don't forget to be nice. Yeah, be nice I today. Will. It is I the will. holidays. Rabes, first of all, Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us. Um, we've been previewing this upcoming game against the Rams. Are you looking at this Rams team any differently after their loss to the Jets? Uh, no, not really. And Merry Christmas to all you guys, uh, as a matter of fact. No, not really. I mean, I think they still have all the weapons that they've had. Uh, they're, still, um, they're still explosive when they need to be. They control the ball when they have to. They might not run the ball quite as well as they have in the last few weeks because they've lost their leading rusher. But, you know, they've got pretty much everything else. Um, and what is going to make them different, I think, uh, this week, as opposed to the first time we met them in November, is that now the Seahawks are back to almost full strength, especially uh, in the running game. So I think that's going to be a huge difference on Sunday. At least, uh, at least that's what I'm counting on. Hey, Rabes, just going back to, to last week, it was it's kind of weird, and I know you're, you're a receiver, offensive player. I don't know if that, that bothered you, that they only put up 33 yards in the fourth quarter. You know, the, uh, being a defender, they gave up some, you know, fourth quarter yardage. But, man, by the time I got in my car and drove home, I was like, wow, they neutralized a really good defensive line, and that was a that was a really good win. I think it was has kind of been downplayed a little bit this week by by fans and texters and some you know hosts and and you know on, on in the media. But that was a big win, man. That was something that I thought you know was going to be really tough to accomplish, and they got it done. As as we always say, Dave, it's always tough to win a game in the National Football League let alone go on the road all the way across country against a very hot team. They've won four straight uh, with a high-ranking defense, not as highly ranked as the one we're going to face on Sunday, but maybe as good a defensive front four as anybody. And I think the Seahawks really learned a valuable lesson in the game against the Giants. I don't believe they actually took anybody lightly. But what I do believe is they weren't able to accomplish what they needed to because they didn't adjust quickly enough. And they said that, but... You know, Russell kept hanging in there trying to throw the ball deep when they were not getting any time up front. They learned their lesson and came back against Washington and did exactly what they needed to do to beat Washington. And, yeah, I was a little, uh, you know, as an offensive player, you kind of wish, okay, a few more points in the in the back end of the game. And as Pete said, if we convert two or three more third downs, you know, the game is not even close at the end. Uh, and, and I think that was kind of uh, the, the biggest issue is the, the inability of the offense. I, I'm always more concerned about if the offense gets one more first down or gets six more points on the board, it you know it gives the defense uh, a little more leverage to go out there and play with. So I think it's going to be a, a, a heck of a matchup. And as I said before, I think the Seahawks are in much better straights than they were, what, six weeks ago. Yeah, you mentioned that, and one of the questions that I really am going to have before this game, and we'll obviously see how it unveils itself, but 
has this defense truly improved in its pass coverage? Because if we remember and look back to the last time around, uh, they were able to settle things down in the second half of this Ram against this Rams opponent. But there were so many coverage busts. You know, I look at uh, Trey Flowers, for example. Uh, you know, it's third down, it's cover two, uh, he keeps sinking back and gives up the easy completion. Uh, there, there's just different things that, that transpired in that game that led to some big plays. Do you have the confidence, Raves, at this point in this defense that they have done enough to eliminate a lot of those, you know, simple, easy mistakes? Well, eliminate is a, is a, is a big word uh, in football because, uh, you know, that, that kind of denotes You've, you've, you've fixed it. You've all fixed all the problems. And as long as you're dealing with, with human beings and young guys out there who are trying to make plays and who sometimes, you know, uh, guess wrong or don't exactly remember what their assignment is or they, they try to, they try to cheat on that assignment a little bit, then, then you're going to have some issues. I, I, I do think, uh, Jake, that, that this defense has learned a lot again since, since the last time, even since the second half. Of that Rams game when when they played so much better, yeah, they gave up some yards. They gave up a lot. I think I think they're giving up a little less than that. One of my keys this week is get off the field on third down. I mean, they allowed fifty three percent conversion third down to Washington, no less. Uh, but again, they were playing back. They were keeping everything in front of them. You know, they didn't give up a lot of points. That's going to be the key. If you want to give up yards between the twenties uh, to any of these teams, that's fine. And the Seahawks have tended to do that this season, and especially the Rams. They move up and down the field, but keep them out of the end zone. Force them to kick field goals, uh, and then when your offense has an opportunity, control the time of possession. Run the football, connect on those short passes, get the ball out of your hands, Russ. Don't take any unnecessary um, uh, any unnecessary sacks, and and I think that's going to be the prescription uh, for winning. Eliminating all the mistakes, I think that might be uh, a little bit much, but but uh, at least lowering the number of them will certainly help. Uh, Looking at Jared Goff, I mean, he at times looks like a world beater, and you've called so many of these games, Steve. Other times he's doing everything he can to sink the offense into a hole. Uh, You're really not sure which version you're going to get. Overall, this team has been pretty solid, though. But how do you get him off track? I mean, what does this defense need to do? Yeah, and you don't have to – you know, you don't have to come in there and sack him twelve times. Oh, that would be spectacular if you did. It'd be great. <laughs> but if you can get him, if you can get him off his mark, if you can get hands in front of him, if you can get his feet moving back there in the pocket. Granted, they like to, you know, they like to half roll right or left. They like to have the sweep motion come one way and then he'll roll back the other side. You have to be disciplined at the defensive end spot. You cannot just come crashing down inside if you're Benson Mayoa uh, or or uh, Carlos. Uh, Dunlop, you, you've got to be disciplined and, uh, and keep contained if that's what your job is on that particular defense. Uh, but, again, just make him uncomfortable. No quarterback. I mean, we, we watch Russ. We're used to seeing one of the top two quarterbacks, in my estimation, top three quarterbacks in all of football. We're used to seeing him play game in and game out, and even he will tell you that, listen, I had some issues. The last Rams game was one of them. We had three turnovers. He was sacked six times. Um, you know, those are the kinds of things that you have to avoid. If you can put that kind of pressure, even if you don't get sacks, you'll make it a difficult day for him and for, for golf. And if you shut down the running attack and make him beat you, uh, now I think I like our chances a lot better. Rebs, we've seen just some amazing things from DJ Reed. And, you know, when 
all of a sudden you're going to get, you know, some of these other guys back like Quentin Dunbar and, you know, they, they've got some, they're going to have some tough choices to make. Same thing at running back, you know, with Rashad Penny. I mean, it, it seems like competition-wise, they're in a really good spot as far as their roster goes. They're going to have some tough decisions to make. Yeah. I, I You know, Dave, I remember back in the long, distant history when I played, and, and Largent got hurt and went out for a game or two, and so I started and played for him. And when it was time for him to come back, there was absolutely no question that he was going to come back in and I was going to go back to the sideline. That's the way it was supposed to be. In this case, however, D.J. Reed has played so well. Uh, that interception last week, I mean, you talked about it on the air. He kind of came off the guy he was responsible for, or the area, by reading what was going on and the, the beauty with which he just kind of crossed right in front of the intended receiver, picked that ball off. I, I mean, he, he, it was just great, and he's had how many passes defense this season. He has really done a great job. Now, granted, you know, Dunbar is a, is a great player, and my guess is that when he's fully healthy, it will be his job to lose. But right now, Reed is playing great football. And while he is, I don't know that you want to, you know, I don't know that you want to mess with that. All right. He is the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Uh, Steve, have a good holiday week and uh, have a good call this weekend. You know, I was always upset that they put Largent back in, by the way. Yeah, they really blew that one. They did, didn't they? (laughs) Because, you know, all he did was go to the Hall of Fame for crying out loud. Listen, happy holidays to all you guys. Uh, Dave, wear your tinsel on Sunday. I can't wait. (laughs) Oh yeah, where where shall I wear it? I'm I'm that's as far as I go because uh, this is a Christian holiday. But thank okay. you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Rex. All right, All right. Wear your tinsel, Jake, Why? Dave. I want you guys to think of your blueprints. I'm going to have mine ready. So far, I've been solid every single week, week in and week out. It is a flawless plan. But I want I want you guys to think of your blueprints too for beating the Rams. We'll do that next on the huddle. This is The Huddle, presented by Bickford Ford, every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to The Huddle, presented by Bickford Ford with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Now, this is where we wrap things up, give you guys our blueprint for beating the Rams this weekend. It's a huge one for Seattle. You can clinch the NFC West this weekend. It doesn't matter what happens in the final week of the season. If you beat the Rams, you have the crown, period. Um, Now, it's not going to be easy. This Rams team is really, really tough. They're a game behind you, but make no mistake, this defense is solid, and this offense still a top-10 offense. So, Dave, Jake, I've asked you each to come up with your blueprint. Um, every single week I say that the, the two steps are, number one, eat a healthy breakfast, and number two, score more points. But I have a better one this time around. Um, I have decided the key is, number one, that offensive line to try to limit sacks of Russell Wilson. Last time they got in a ton of trouble, Russell Wilson knocked back a ton. Uh, I think Leonard Floyd had three sacks of Russell Wilson alone. On defense, I think the biggest thing you need to do is exactly what you've been able to hang your hat on as a defense, limit that run. You faltered at times, but if you limit that run, really, really keep it at bay, it limits what Jared Goff and Sean McVay can do. Yeah, I think if you put the hand uh, ball in the hands of Jared Goff, he'll... You know, maybe, maybe he'll turn it over. That's And I'm going to go, by the way, I want to ask you, if you're going into a game, Stacy, and I'll ask you too, Jake, what, what would be your go-to pregame mm. meal? Because you mentioned getting a good yeah. breakfast. 
Oh, that's a good question. Um, I th- I would think oatmeal, but you know what I would do, and this is just what came to mind. Um, oatmeal brand Quaker Oats has a cereal, and I feel like that would be full of carbs, give you a full stomach, but wouldn't make you nauseous because it's kind of plain. Yeah. Mm, okay. <laughs> what was your pregame? Uh, my pregame, uh, my best pregame meal before high school, i got to give a shout-out to uh, Ronnie and Patty Simone. Uh, we would always go over to, yes, yes we'd go over to, go over to their house uh, before every game, and they would make something called potatoes and eggs. And basically it was just like this breakfast medley. It was like uh, these cubed uh, hash browns. Uh, it was eggs. It was bacon. And it was just wrapped in, and they put some amazing seasoning on it, or whatever. But it was the best pregame meal I always had, and was never able to have anything else like that. I blame Dave. Uh, I blame the way that my college career went because of I wasn't able to replicate that uh, that pregame <laughs> meal. That's my that's my that's my thoughts there. There you go. Should have had Ronnie Simone send you. Something in the mail, you know, maybe I, I that's right. would do that. But uh, I don't yeah, know. I blew it. I, I'm, I'm going with takeaways. I said they need three takeaways last week. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put it on that again. I mean, you know, they were plus one last week. But like I said, they're minus five over the last seven games. So they've had a couple even, you know, uh, performances. But they need to go like plus two or plus three in this game. And, you know, I think... Jared Goff would be the the prime suspect there because I think he does his eyes do come down when he gets pressured and uh, he he can be had he gets flustered. Mm. I I like that a lot and I do agree I think they have to at least be plus two in this game that will be crucial for them. Uh, to me I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this uh, really simple. Uh, it, to me this is gonna be on the offensive side of the ball. This is going to be. Uh, getting to 150 yards on the ground, and Russell Wilson has to throw three-plus touchdowns. Th- those two things have to be the case. And if that is happening, then that means you are marrying your run and your pass game extremely effectively. Um, and so that is the ultimate goal. That's why Pete Carroll was so excited about what transpired uh, last week against Washington was it wasn't just – uh, uh, taking out the effectiveness of Washington's front four, it was the fact that as an offense, he feels like now they have everything at their disposal, that they can they can go to the ground game and be effective in there when they want to be. They can open it up and, and go to the pass game with Russell Wilson and crew and feel confident in doing that. They feel completely balanced at this point. Now it's time to go prove it. Now, I think there's a lot of questions surrounding whether they can actually get that done. This is the perfect opportunity to put that on full display, that they will be a well-balanced offense, not only in this game, but throughout the playoffs. A couple minutes left here, so let's do some injury updates and news from Pete Carroll's press conference. We said we'd get back to that uh, after Rabe, so here we go. Um, Pete Carroll says that defensive end Daryl Taylor is going to try to practice next week, so he won't be able to rejoin the team this week. Greg Olson, though, tight end Greg Olson is full go and practice, so he's looking good for Sunday. And then in bad injury news, uh, cornerback Quentin Dunbar, who was on IR and was going to practice this week, is actually going to have season-ending surgery. That just from Pete Carroll uh, just a minute ago. So, Dave, I'll start with you. For both of you guys, um, it looks like it's now between Trey Flowers, who will try to return to practice. He's coming off the IR. Uh, and, And certainly DJ Reed for this weekend. I mean, what's the key for that secondary against this Rams offense for both of you guys? 
Yeah, well, I mean, they have some talented receivers, and they f- always find a way to get open. It just seems like, you know, that they, they, it's not like they're throwing deep balls, even though I think Jared Goff's a really good uh, deep ball thrower, but it's, you know, the tight end, you know, the, has, has killed them, you know, in the games against the, the Seahawks, it seems like. It, it seems like that the, there's always like a, a crosser that's open, you know, Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett, you know, and then they got Woods and mm-hmm. Cup. I mean, those guys have been, you know, the problem. It hasn't been anything deep. So, um, you know, again, I, I think it's going to be really hard to, to keep DJ Reed off the field. I mean, he's just been so good. So I, I, I feel like it's going to be more of those intermediate type of routes, the things that happen on the perimeter that they're really going to have to pay attention to. And again, like Jake said earlier, and you know, Rabel said we, we talked about it during the game when DJ Reed, you know, came off of that the one route, jumps the other one in zone. I mean, it just shows that he has a really good understanding of how to play in this defense. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's I think going to be a, a big key. Absolutely. And the area that I have talked about over the past three days is the middle of that defense, the second level of that defense, where Cooper Cup, Gerald Everett, and Tyler Higby will be attacking. And that is going to be the responsibility of Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright, and Jamal Adams. Those three have to play a tremendous game uh, on Sunday, in my opinion, for them to be able to be as effective as they want to be versus the Rams. Um, that's going to, They need to attach themselves to receivers when they bring pressure. I don't want to see Bobby Wagner or KJ Wright have their eyes on the quarterback. Go look up the guy that you're supposed to attach yourself to and make it difficult on a quarterback. It is extremely when you have the eyes of linebackers and safeties, you feel really good as a quarterback because you know that they're not looking up what's happening behind them, um, and, and that's where you can really exploit exploit that second level so that's one thing that I'm going to really be looking for and seeing if they are being physical that way um, and not just in the run game this has been the huddle presented by Bickford Ford with Dave Wyman and Jake Heaps Dave Jake happy holidays Uh, producer Curtis Rogers the Seahawks uh, team behind the huddle Um, hoping everyone has a very good week we'll be back on Monday on 710 ESPN Seattle hopefully we're talking about a win Coming up next, Cougar Basketball on 710 ESPN Seattle.